is a tasty burger. 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 What is up, you beautiful people? Welcome back to whatever the show where I talk about whatever. My name is Cameron, and it's Liviosa, not Liviosa. Why did I use that as an intro, you may ask? Well, on today's episode, we're talking about the boy who lived, Harry Potter. Oh, excuse me while I hydrate quick. <sighs> Some nice water. Nice new bottle, too. I got myself a insulated bottle so cold water stays cold longer but uh yeah today's topic we're talking about harry potter now originally what i was gonna do is i was gonna take i was gonna do like quick notes about each movie and just kind of talk about them you know sum them up and talk about all of them in one episode but that was gonna be way too stressful on me and it just it sounded very like claustrophobic so i figured if I dedicate one movie to one episode each, then that'll be an easy way to go about things, and I don't have to stress myself out trying to talk about every single thing in one episode. So, actually, I actually have handwritten notes because I just rewatched Sorcerer's Stone, and as far as any like book differences, is I know a lot of people, especially you hardcore Harry Potter fans that may be listening, a lot of you hardcore Harry Potter fans are gonna be like, well. Actually, uh, this happened in the book. <laughs> and I actually I actually looked up some differences. Now, I don't actually have the books with me, so I couldn't, like, you know, fact check with the book. Because last time I had the books, I lived with my parents, and I moved out in 2015. So those books are either still there somewhere or just gone. But, uh, yeah, so what I'm going to do for each movie, I'm going to just go through different parts of the movie because now here's the warning I'm gonna talk about these like I assume you know like I'm assuming you've seen it I mean the first movie came out 20 Sorcerer Stone came out 20 years ago so if you haven't seen it by now then I I don't know what to tell you you may need some help <laughs> but I'm gonna talk about each of these like I'm assuming you know the movies so that's why I'm not gonna go over like the, everything that happens in the movie. I'm going to pick out certain moments that I want to get my opinions on. And just at the end of each one, I'm going to rank them, or I'm going to talk about like whether it's my favorite or least favorite. I think at the end of all this, I'm going to rank them in the list, but I'll mention like how I feel about them at the, uh, at the end of the, each episode. And I may... Uh, that those opinions may change as I rewatch most of the movies because maybe I forgot how much I liked one over the other or stuff like that. So basically, yeah, that's all I need to know about this. So I guess without further ado, let's jump into it. So Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone, like I said, it came out in uh, 2001 and it was actually directed by Chris Columbus, who also directed Chamber of Secrets, but he only did those two. And the man has a habit of directing in twos because he also did the first two Home Alone movies. Like first, the first one, Home Alone, and then Home Alone 2, Lost in New York. Which are 
two of my favorite Christmas movies of all time. But it kind of implies that directing style to the first two Harry Potters, which makes them my least favorite because I feel like they're too kid-friendly. Well, I mean, I guess it's probably because I like the later movies compared to, you know, Sorcerer's Stone and Chamber of Secrets, but I feel like, well, especially the first one is is just way too kid-friendly. Like, it caters too much towards, like, a younger audience in that, like, oh, we want a happy ending and love conquers all and friendship is important thing. Like, it's just, like, it's not bad. It's, I mean, it follows the story, you know, pretty decently. I mean, there's obviously a lot of stuff they didn't involve, but and a lot of stuff they took some free liberties with it. But it just... Like I said, it just seems very, like, very first, has first movie syndrome, where they're just trying to figure out what works for it, what doesn't, and, yeah, it just, it's just way too, like, catering towards a younger, uh, too, it caters too much to a younger audience for me, which is why it's probably my least favorite out of the whole thing, but, anyway, there's some, uh, I just, you know, <laughs> now that I got my opinion on Harry Potter out of the way, and, the internet's probably going to chastise me for it. Let's talk about some of the scenes and what I feel which is part. And I actually have handwritten notes of some of the scenes. Not that I'm going to talk about everything I wrote down, but I do have notes in here of some stuff I wanted to mention that's probably important information in case you need a refresher on Harry Potter. So, obviously in the start of the movie, we see you know Harry get dropped off in the Dursleys by... Hagrid, Dumbledore, and McGonagall. And we know this because Harry's parents were killed by Voldemort, and the only reason Harry didn't die in that attack is because Harry's mom, Lily, you know, sacrificed her own life to save Harry, which put a magical protection spell over him, so that way when Dumbledore tried to use the uh, killing curse on Harry, uh, it backfired on Voldemort. So while Harry got away with just a lightning bolt star on his forehead, Voldemort was actually left bodiless, so between when Harry was a baby and just, you know, when we flash forward to him being 10 years old, he's just spent that whole time trying to find a vessel and trying to, like, get his followers to get back behind him and be like, alright, so this is what we're gonna do. We're gonna try and do all this so I could come back to life and finally wreak my revenge on the wizarding world. But, yeah, so in the beginning, Harry gets dropped off to the Dursleys, you know, his Uncle Vernon, his Aunt Petunia, and his cousin Dudley. And the reason they drop him off at the Dursleys is because the Dursleys are the closest in the family that Harry has in the Marvel world, because Petunia is actually Lily's... Oh, God, excuse me. Uh, Petunia is actually Lily's sister. Oh, God, I need some water. Oh, I got some ice, too. And there it goes. I slipped up some ice, tried to put it back in my water bottle, and it just did not work but anyway so we see the part with the baby where he's a baby we flash forward to him being 10 years old there's a scene at the the one thing I want to talk about the zoo scene later the zoo scene that happens a little bit because it's Dudley's birthday so they go to the zoo and I should also mention that like the Dursleys tr- pretty much treat Harry like shit for no discernible reason I can't remember if they explain why they treat him like shit, but they just, they do, and I feel like that's just 
that's the very late. That brings me back to the kid friendly thing I have an issue with too, because it's like, oh, they're just mean to be mean. We're supposed to not like them now. But anyway, there's a scene. They go to the zoo for Dudley's birthday, and you know Dudley, Vernon, and Petunia are looking at this. They're in the reptile house, and they're looking at the snake, and the snake's just not moving. They're like, all right, I'm bored. We're gonna walk away. And Harry's all like, you know. I know how you feel, Snake. You know, I know what it's like to be mistreated. I know what it's like to feel like, you know, be treated like nothing. And the snake winks at him, and Harry's just like, wait, you can understand me. So, for all you Harry Potter fans, that's the first time we see Harry essentially speak Parseton, which, you know, Parseton, language of the snakes. The only thing I hate about this water bottle is that it's loud, so that every time I need to redo my throat to talk, you're going to hear just the clanging around of this bottle. But, uh, no, why I want to talk about this snake scene, too, is because when the snake escapes, the snake tells Harry thanks, and Harry's like, any time the snake escapes. Uh, I saw a theory a while ago that a lot of people thought that snake was a Voldemort snake Nadini. Which, honestly, I don't really believe, because if... And that might be back to the the, the kid-friendly thing that I mentioned earlier, too, where it's like, if that was truly Nadini, and they did it in the style of, like, the later movies, Nadini could have killed Harry right then and there, and Voldemort would, you know, come back without any threat to oppose him. Well, maybe Dumbledore, but... Anyway, whatever. A lot of people thought that snake was Nadini, and I'm like, yeah, there's no way to be Nadini. So then, I was like, you know, flash forward. Like, sorry, I'm kind of rushing through this, but if I did this episode the way I wanted to, I would just babble on and on about Harry Potter. And I just, well, <laughs> that's essentially what I'm doing anyway, but I would be explaining every single thing that happens in the movie, and I know that probably gets boring after a while, so instead of just going over the whole entire plot, I'm just going to talk about certain scenes and, you know, certain scenes that I have opinions on. <clears throat> but, you know, after the zoo scene, there's the part where all of a sudden Harry gets a letter from Hogwarts and the rest of the Dursleys are like, no, you're not going to Hogwarts. But then they just get bombarded with letters and then friend's like, all right, we're going to move where they can't find us because he's finally gone insane from all these letters. So they go to, like, the shack in the middle of the ocean, and Harry <laughs> very sadly draws a birthday cake in the dirt while everybody else is sleeping. He's like, make a wish, Harry. And it's actually pretty sad, because you... Oh, God, that was loud. Because you actually feel really bad for him as he's trying to celebrate his, like, 11th birthday. But then Hagrid finds him and does this whole thing of, like, yeah, no matter what you, you Dursley say, Harry's going to Hogwarts because he's a wizard. You know, just like his parents. So, you see Harry, you know, get him out of that bad situation and get him on the right track to going to Hogwarts. It takes him to Diagon Alley. He helps him get, you know, money that his parents left behind. He also grabs what we find out is the source for stone from uh, Green Dots as well. Because Hagrid, I guess, was charged with grabbing it from the vault and bringing it back to Hogwarts to put under protection. And he goes through Diagon Alley, he gets all his supplies. Like, he goes to Ollivanders, which is one of the more important. Ah, what did I do? 
Oh, okay. I thought I <laughs> destroyed everything. Uh, he goes to Ollivander's, and there's that's where he finds out that the one chooses the wizard, Mr. Potter. Meaning, basically, you know, the one, like, you can't just go and buy any wand. Like, you have to, like, test out a wand and, you know, feel that it's right for you. Which, I, I guess it plays into, like, the later movies, but I just, I feel like that was very much for the, uh, like the younger audience that was it, this movie was targeted towards. But oh, and an important thing before they go into Diane, like they have to go through this pub to get there, and in this pub, they run into Professor Quirrell, who is the new Defense Against the Dark Arts teacher that year at Hogwarts, and he has a very prominent stutter. He's like, "Pleasure to meet you, Miss Potter." And he's just it's very awkward and it kinda it kinda the camera hands on him for a moment, which I guess in movie movie language is like, hey, this guy may be a little bit important. So anyway, Mikrell, he goes to Dog Island, gets all his stuff. And then after Harry gets all his stuff, including, you know, the Owl Hedwig, who we all grow to love, uh, they're in this I believe it's the same pub they went through. But Hagrid and Harry are sitting down, and this is where Hagrid tells Harry the truth, because all Harry's life, uh, Vernon and uh, Petunia had told Harry that his parents either died in a car accident or died in an explosion. Like, they lied to him his whole life. But Hagrid's the one that's like, yeah, no, Voldemort killed your parents. So now that Harry knows the truth, he, uh, you know, he's... Which is weird, because, like... You know, in the later movies, that would lead to a, a very, like, emotional storm out. But in the first movie, he's just like, oh, Voldemort killed my parents? Well, now I know the truth. Okay. It's just, it's just really awkward. After that, he gets Harry on the Hogwarts Express. And then, <clears throat> in Teen's Cross Station is where he meets uh, the Weasleys. Meets every or pretty much all of them except for uh, Arthur Weasley. He meets uh, Molly Weasley. He meets friend George. Uh, he meets Ron, and he very briefly, I guess, he meets Ginny, but he doesn't know Ginny yet. But Ginny's there. I used to think Ginny wasn't there, but then I rewatched the movie and I was like, oh yeah, she's totally there. She only has one line, like just after Harry asks uh, Molly Weasley how to go through. The- like how to get the platform platform down to three quarters. She's like, yeah, just go through this pillar. All Ginny says is, "Good luck," and then that's that's it. <laughs> Her job is done for the movie. So they go through there. The Young Hogwarts Express. Uh, Harry and Ron end up sharing their room. They end up bonding over snacks, of course. And Hermione busts in looking for uh, Neville Longbottom's frog, and then she sees that. Ron is trying out magic, so she's like, oh, let's see then. And Ron does it, Ron, and she's like, <laughs> and she's like, are you sure that's a real spell? Well, it's not very good, is it? That's one of my other issues with this movie. Like, why the hell did they have to start off for Harmony as just a snobby little, like, know-it-all? Like, that's, that, a lot of, a lot of what I'm gonna say just draws back to the whole, like, kid-friendly movie, too. Like, 
They're like, oh, we all know somebody who's like that, a know-it-all snobby, like, yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, this is the first time we see, like, the whole crew, like, interact with each other. So then, you know, after the train ride, they get to Hogwarts, and McGonagall talks to everybody in front of in front of the Great Hall, and basically telling them, like, hey, you know, since your first years, we're going to go in there, this is going to be the sorting hat ceremony where we sit you down in a chair, put a hat on you, and the hat tells you which house you're going to go into. The house is being Gryffindor, Ravenclaw, Hufflepuff, Slytherin. And this is actually in the movie where Harry first meets Draco. Because Draco is just as... Draco is a snob as well, but not in the, like, know-it-all type sense. He's a snob as in, uh, my dad does this type of thing. Like, he was a... He's the Harry Potter version of a Chad basically so basically he's like yeah my family blah 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 and he's very snobby there's the there's a part two where he uh he introduces himself to harry but he uh he doesn't ask who ron is because he's like he's like i already know who you are red hair and a hand-me-down robe you must be a weasley (laughs) which if i was Ron, i'd just be like fuck you (laughs) <laughs> which is interesting in the movie that that's where uh, Harry and Draco meet where in the book I guess uh, Draco Harry actually met Draco and died in Alley not in uh, not at Hogwarts because I guess in the book Harry went into this place to get his robes and Draco was getting his his robe hemmed at that time when Harry stepped in and I guess what happens in the book is that Draco makes some comments towards Hagrid which Harry gets very offended by on Hagrid's behalf and that's how he ends up not liking him off the bat instead of at Hogwarts where he just rings into Ron and then he's just like you know what I like Ron so by you making fun of him I don't like you he does all that so then, after all that, they go through the sorting hat ceremony. They get sorted in the houses. Obviously, Harry, Ron, and Hermione get put in the Gryffindor. Draco goes in the Slytherin. And, yeah, slap happy good time for a little bit. And then, for the next couple scenes, we see Harry attending some of his classes. And one of the more important things I want to talk about as far as him attending his classes, is he attends uh, Severus Snape's class, and Snape teaches potions, or he taught potions at this time. I don't remember, does he continue to teach potions throughout the entire series, or... I mean, they only show him, like, as a teacher once, and then he's just around for, like, the rest of the series. But the one thing about him and Snape's class is there's something very important that I don't know if the writers actually intended this but a lot of the fans put it together and it actually makes a lot of sense so Snape's doing his thing he's doing his teacher thing and he sees Harry writing down something and he calls him off for not paying attention and I just one, one of the first things that Snape says to Harry he asks him like he sees if Harry is paying attention he asks him what would I get if I added powdered root of asphodel to an infusion of wormwood? Which, fun fact, uh, in Victorian flower language, asphodel is a type of lily 
meaning you know, my regrets following you to the grave. And wormwood actually mean means uh, absence. So basically, what by him saying, "What would I get if I added powdered root of asphodel to an infusion of wormwood?" He's essentially saying, "I bitterly regret Lily's death." Which I don't know if that was actually implied or if that's what he was supposed to be saying, but the connections are very coincidental. So, right off the bat, they don't really like Snape because they feel like he's picking on him, which, again, goes back to the whole like, whole kid-friendly thing which, that I have a problem with, because they just made Snape be this like typical, sketchy main character. <sighs> Sorry, that's have to refresh myself. Alright, so... <laughs> I like in this this next note I have in my notes is Hermione is a bit snobby, which I already covered, but yeah. I just feel like Hermione is just a little too snobby, which thankfully she calms down later. I mean, she's still snobby, but like very less so. She's very, like, it's more mature. Um, one of the other uh, scenes I like too is there's a scene where all the kids are learning to you know fly their brooms and Neville just <laughs> gets all kinds of messed up because he loses control of his broom gets caught on the statue and just plummets to the ground and Madame Hooch has to take him in but Neville had dropped the rememberal that he got from the mail which a rememberal is just this little glass ball and the smoke and there's this magic smoke inside it and it turns red if you've forgotten something but apparently he had that on him and he dropped it and Drago picks it up and as Madame Hooch goes with Neville and takes him to the infirmary and she leaves all the students and Drago's just like I got his remember and Harry's just like hey don't be an asshole give it back and Drago just does some messing around flies up on the broom Harry goes after him and Drago's like oh you know Let's see if it breaks after this. So he just tosses it, and Harry just goes zooming after him on his broom, and he catches it with some style right outside the window of Professor McGonagall. So as he comes back, as he comes back, and all the kids are cheering on him, McGonagall tra- tracks him down and tells Harry to come with her. So she takes him to Professor Coral's class and is like, "Hey, can I borrow? Can I borrow? Can I borrow Oliver Wood?" real quick and McDonald was like oh yeah or no Quirrell's like oh yeah of course so McDonald introduces Harry to Oliver Wood and is like hey this is your new seeker for the Quidditch team because I guess see, seeing Harry catch the remember she's like oh this kid is really good at Quidditch so and then there's the whole scene after that where, sorry, where Ron and Hermione are congratulating Harry on becoming the, the youngest seeker in the history of Hogwarts. And one thing uh, Hermione reminds Harry of when he's freaking out about it is he's like, oh, hey, you know, your father was a seeker too. But they're all talking about Quidditch and everything. And while they're doing that, they stumble onto the, the third floor and find this door which contains Fluffy, you know, the three giant three-headed dog who's guarding a trap door which they find out what's under it later 
then oh the very next the one of the next scenes is them in class learning uh, Wingardium Leviosa and this is where the infamous it's Leviosa not Leviosa that whole thing comes from and uh, in my notes I have here talk about Flitwick which if you've seen the movies if you're a big Harry Potter fan you know what I'm talking about like the fact that in the first movie Flitwick is just this the short like very like big white hair very hairy man but then in later movies he's you know all of a sudden his hair is black he's got a very like he's got a must he's only got a mustache it's like do they mean for him to just go through the sun transformation and have like not expect any of us to notice it <laughs> but it's just weird I don't know if something happened to him or he transformed like that or they just like decided to go in a different direction with his design so anyway there's that scene and shortly right after that scene it's Ron Harry and uh, two other kids they're walking in Ron's kind of making fun of Hermione he's like he's like Leviosa not Leviosa she's a nightmare no wonder she doesn't have friends but he doesn't know that Hermione's actually behind him and she just busts through his arm as she walks off she's crying Harry's like I think she heard you and so she heard everything Ron is saying and obviously went off crying so come Halloween they're all having this feast and then Quirrell busts in the great hall and he's like troll in the dungeon and everybody starts freaking out and (laughs) this is the first time we hear the great Dumbledore silence which honestly I think uh, I don't remember if the other actor had a silence moment in the later movies but like I said as I go throughout these podcasts I'll figure that out but there's a troll scene and Dumbledore has all the prefects takes all the kids back to their uh, their dorms but Harry and Ron are like wait Hermione's in the bathroom she doesn't know about the troll so they go and rescue her and then we go to the girl's bathroom, Hermione's in the bathroom by herself, and she looks up and the troll's in the bathroom, and there's this whole thing where they uh, they save Hermione from the troll, and McGonagall, uh, is it McGonagall, Dumbledore, and Snape and Quirrell find them there, and McGonagall's like, oh, like, well, Hermione kind of vouches for them, through, like, she's like, yeah, it's my fault, I thought I could handle the troll alone, but if it wasn't for Harry and Ron, I'd probably be dead right now. So, she takes the blame for it, and McGonagall's like, you know, I'll take five points from Gryffindor for your lack of judgment, but for you, Harry and Ron, while what you did was stupid, I'm going to give you five points each for, you know, an act of bravery. So, yeah, there's all that, and then... Throughout this whole thing, all three of them still think Snape is pretty sketchy, which... He's... We all know, like the true intentions of Snape, but he's just like, I don't know, he's just, you know, he's just Alan Rickman being Alan Rickman. <laughs> uh, what else do I got in my notes? We're going to the, uh... oh, so the Quidditch match. So basically this is Harry's first Quidditch match as a seeker. And everything's going good until he goes after the snitch and suddenly he loses control of his broom. And... Uh, Hermione, Ron, and Hedrick are like, what's going on? And Hermione's looking through uh, binoculars. She looks over at the teacher's side. 
and she believes that it's Snape doing it because Snape is watching Harry and mouthing a bunch of stuff. But rewatching the movie, what I noticed is that if you look at Quarrel, Quarrel is just keeping like dead eye contact with Harry. Because later, when they talk about when they, you know, accuse Snape of messing with Harry at the Quidditch match, Hermione's like, for the spell to work, you need constant eye contact, and Snape wasn't blinking. I'm like, neither was Quarrel, if you pay attention. Because he was just, like, dead-eye staring at Harry this whole time. Whereas, we find out later that Snape was actually trying to do a counter-curse to try to, you know, interact, try to interfere with Quarrel. And then, let's see. And then next, I'm gonna take a little, I'm gonna take a little break because I got food coming. And after this break, we're gonna continue talking about Sorcerer's Stone, starting with Christmas time. And we're back. So, I had some good food. Got some good vittles. I <laughs> did. I just call them vittles. I restocked up on the water. And we're ready to continue this talk about Harry Potter. So, where did we leave off? Oh yeah, Christmas time. So, Christmas time in the Harry Potter universe, Harry's still asleep and Ron calls for him to come downstairs to open his presents. And that's when Harry finds out he got the invisibility cloak. I'm, I think it's from Dumbledore, but I'm pretty sure they confirmed that, but yeah. So he gets a gift from Dumbledore, but they don't realize it yet. And just with just a card that says, your father wanted me to give you this before he died. I'm sure you make good use out of it, which, you know, goes into what they need to do because they find out from Hagrid, well, because Harry has a revelation about the stone. And because they're talking with Hagrid and they still think Snape is trying to steal the stone or whatever. Sorry, that was my watch going off. They, uh,. I still think that Snape is trying to steal the stone and they they talk to Hagrid about it and Hagrid just offhand mentions the name Nicholas Flamel. And so they're like, oh, you know, now we gotta do more research on this guy. So with the invisibility cloak that Harry got from from uh, Dumbledore, they realize that the only books in the library that have any information about Nicholas Fumel, or one of the few books that have information about Nicholas Fumel, is in the restricted section, which students are not allowed to go in. So during the night, Harry uses his cloak, sneaks into the restricted section, finds this book about Nicholas Fumel, and then runs off before Filch can catch him, but not before you know dropping eavesdropping on an interaction between Snape and Quarrel, which really pegs Snape out to look like the bad guy. There's a lot of it in this movie, like the peg Snape out to look like the bad guy. But, uh. There's. I forgot what happened next. I'm trying to go off my notes, and the only next thing I have here is Hagrid Dragon. Which. They do, uh. I guess they need more information from Hagrid, so they go to his hut late at night and saying they talk about the Sorcerer's Stone, and Hagrid's just like, I need to know about that. And 
they mention more about Snape and Haggard keeps trying to tell him that Snape isn't trying to steal it because he's a Hogwarts professor. And the uh, why I mention why I say Hagrid Dragon is because during this whole thing where they're in his hut, he is heating up a dragon egg that he names Norbert, which Ron immediately recognizes that it's a dragon egg because his brother. God, what's his brother's name? Well, anyway, his brother, one of his other cousins, po- person in his family, is studies dragons. Uh, what else happened here? Bad CGI. Oh, yeah, so I should go back to the troll scene, why I wrote down bad CGI. Because I noticed re-watching the first one that there's a the part where Harry tries to save Hermione from the troll, but he grabs onto the glove and hops on the head, and I noticed... Like looking at Harry, it's just very bad CGI. Like this movie goes between having pretty decent CGI and just really terrible looking CGI. Like, I mean, obviously they can't do humans that well, but creatures are pretty okay. Like the troll still looked as dopey as ever. Yeah, but yeah, whenever they try to do any CGI with humans, it just looks very awkward. I mean. Around this, it was around this era that we also saw an unrelated movie, uh, The Mummy, with The Rock as the star being king, but they couldn't actually get him, so they CGI'd him in and it just looked terrible. So that's what it reminded me of, what the CGI, some of the CGI in the first Harry Potter reminded me of. But uh, going back to the whole dragon thing, like they're all excited about Hagrid's dragon, but then Hagrid's just like, wait, who's that outside the window? And they find out it's Draco. So, like, okay, now we have to go. And while uh, Ron, Hermione, and Harry are talking and they're going through the hall, they're just like, oh, well, what are we going to do about Sorcerer's Stone? Uh, they come across McGonagall, who is standing there with Draco, because Draco outed them, and they get put on, they get put in a detention along with Draco. Which is, uh, McGonagall is just like, you know, she's directing her conversation at. Harry, Ron, and Hermione, but she's like, that's why the four of you will serve detention. Then Draco's like, I'm sorry, did you say the four of us? And he's like, well, yeah, you were out of bed too. And Draco's just like, oh, damn it. (laughs) So they serve detention in the uh, Forbidden Forest, which, that's another thing. So in the beginning of the movie, with Dumbledore's speech, he also mentions that the well, what he calls it, Dark Forest, even though in the book it's called Forbidden Forest. But he says the Dark Forest is off limits to students, but that's where they send them for detention because Hagrid has to do something in the forest, which is weird. So, but anyway, they go into the they go with Filch and brings them to Hagrid's hut, and they go with Hagrid for detention. The four the four kids. And they go into the forest because apparently Hagrid has found a dead unicorn and they're looking for the creature responsible. So uh, Ron and Hermione go off with Hagrid and Harry and uh, Draco along with Hagrid's dog Fang go off you know, on their own and Harry f- ends up finding a dead unicorn with this creature eating it who we come to realize is Voldemort and on his like bodiless form, because Voldemort is trying to feast on unicorn blood to try to stay somewhat alive. 
but obviously he needs a host to latch onto, which we get to a little later. But just as Voldemort is about to attack Harry in that forest, he's saved by a Minotaur, and the Minotaur then turns to Harry and says, "You know, it's not safe for anyone here because a lot of you know creatures in this forest know who you are." So there's do they'll do all that, and you know everything's fine. And as the next day, the three amigos are walking through the hall and they're still talking about Snape and the stone or whatever. And this is more of when Snape acts sketchy, but it's uh, it's actually one of the more memorable lines in the movie. Where is it like, Snape is just like, what are you three doing indoors on a day like this? And they were, they struggled to say something. Snape is like, be careful. People might think you're or something and he goes off and they make a plan to uh, get the stone that night So, but they realize in order to get to the stone that there's a bunch of trials they have to get through first and each of them each trial really seems catered to each of the three because first they have to sneak past Fluffy which music actually puts Fluffy to sleep. So when they get in the room, they find this harp playing by itself, which they assume Snape has put a curse on it, or Snape has put a spell on it to have it playing. And so when they open the latch, Harry's like, alright, you know, I'll go first, we go in, if, you know, if anything happens, leave. But as they're doing that, Fluffy wakes up and they just barely escape Fluffy. They land in this thing of plants, and which, as they struggle, the plants continue to wrap around them. And Hermione's like, oh, it's a devil snare. We have to relax in order to get through it. Uh, Hermione and Harry are able to relax and get through it, but Ron's still freaking out because he's kind of a little chicken shit this early in the movie. So Hermione casts this light spell to drive the devil snare away to get through him. So then the next trial, I don't know if they're really called trials, they're just called traps, but the next trial is a room full of flying keys and one that's old and rusted and has a broken wing that has to be used to unlock the door to the next area, which like the devil snare part is suited towards Hermione because she paid attention. She, you know, she pays attention to her biology. She knows all her stuff. And then like the one with the keys, the fine keys involves a broom that Harry has to use to get the broke to get the rusty key, which plays into his skills as a, like a master broom rider. And then the next room is a giant chessboard for Wizard's Chess, which obviously is Ron's specialty, and this is where stuff gets a little dramatic, because they have to do like basically a giant version of, version of version of Wizard's Chess, but there's some pieces missing on one side, so Harry and Hermione have to take over for them, and they go all through this game, and it comes down to the last few moves, where Ryan, or Ryan, Ron, as the knight... Yeah, he's like, oh, once I make my move, the queen will take me out, and then Harry, you can go and uh, check. You can check the king or checkmate the king, and they're like, Ron, no, don't do it. And <laughs> Ron's like, do you want to stop Snape from getting the stone or not? Harry, it's you that has to go on, not me, not Hermione, you. So Ron moves, gets taken out by the queen. I, I say it gets taken up by the queen, but it doesn't really, because he's sitting on this giant horse thing, and 
this giant queen chess piece just takes out the horse and he just kind of hops off of it. And uh, with that, Hermione tries to go to help him, but Harry's like, no, like, don't move. Don't forget we're still playing. So then Harry makes his move in front of the in front of the king. Yeah, it says checkmate and the game is won. So Harry and Hermione have this little interaction with each other where Hermione's just like, I guess there's more than just books and cleverness. Like, friendship is more important. At that point, I was just like, (laughs) But anyway, Harry goes on into the camera to try to find the stone and sees Professor Quirrell staring into the mirror of Erised, which the mirror of Erised, if anybody's forgotten, is something that Harry comes across in a different room of Hogwarts, in which he stares into it, and basically when you stare into this mirror, it shows you what you truly desire. So the first time Harry looks into this mirror, he sees both his parents standing behind him. So anyway, when he goes deeper into the thing to get the stone, he sees Professor Quirrell standing there and staring at it, and he's like, "What? why are you down here? And that's when he finds out that Professor Quirrell was actually, you know, the guy behind all this all along and not Snape. You know, he finds out that during the Quidditch match, when they thought Snape was trying to... When they thought Snape was trying to mess with him, Snape was actually doing a counter-curse trying to save Harry. And they find out, like, Quirrell's responsible for the troll. He's basically responsible for everything. So... He forces Harry to uh, look in the mirror, and he's like, "Cause Quirrell's trying to figure out figure out how to get the stone, how to get the sorcerer's stone." And you hear this voice, or Quirrell's just like, "How do I get the stone?" And you hear this voice say, "Use the boy." So he forces Harry to stand in front of the mirror, and Harry looking in the mirror, he sees his reflection take the sorcerer's stone out of his pocket. Then put it back in, and the Quirrell's is like, "What is it? What do you see?" And Harry just lies, and he's like, "I, I see myself shaking hands with Dumbledore. I won the House Cup." And Quirrell's like, "Tell the truth. What do you see?" And then you hear the voice again, "Let me speak to the boy." And Quirrell's like, "Master, you're not strong enough." And then the voice is like, "I have strength enough for this." With like a million S's. <laughs> But uh, then it's revealed that on the back of Coral's head, why he wears a turban, is to hide Voldemort himself. Because, like I said before, like like I said at the beginning, when uh, Voldemort attacked Harry's parents and killed them, he tried to kill Harry but couldn't because of the protection spell. So it backfired on Voldemort, leaving him bodiless. So he basically has to find a different way to you know, get around and find a different vessel, so in this movie he chooses Professor Coral. So with that, it's revealed that Voldemort's on the back of Harry's and Voldemort tries to get Harry to hand over the stone and be like, Yeah, I can bring your parents back, but then Harry finds out he's lying, and then Voldemort orders Coral to try to kill him. And Coral's trying to choke the life out of him, but then Harry puts his hand on Coral to get him off him and then Coral's hand starts dissolving. So he's freaking out. He's just like, Ah! What is this magic? And then Voldemort's just all like, Fool! Get the stone! So Harry's like, Oh, touching him does something. So I'm gonna touch all over your face. And Coral just 
crumbles just like that. So then Harry's like, oh, okay, well, that's over. I'm going to pick up the stone now it's safe. But then he hears something behind him, turns around, the spirit of Voldemort just launches at him, goes right through him, leaving Harry unconscious in the chamber. Not the time to time out, computer. <laughs> so the leaves him unconscious, and then we fast forward to the infirmary, which somebody must have got him. And uh, he finds all these treats or whatever, and Dumbledore kind of fills him in on everything. Just be like, oh, Crow's on, Voldemort's gone. You know, all your friends are all right. And then Harry's like, like, is there a way for Voldemort to return? Dumbledore's like, yes, he will return. But probably not for a while, which works out. So we get into that, you know, and then there's the whole ceremony where Dumbledore awards the points, which Slytherin is in first place, you know, after everything. But then Dumbledore hands out all these extra points to specific students that go towards Gryffindor to be like, oh, you know, Harry for your bravery, Ron for being the just best chess player, Hermione for being really smart, and Neville for standing up to your friends. So, Gryffindor ends up winning the house job. Yay, yay, happy ending. And then, so yeah, that's basically the dumbed-down version of Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone. Now, some things I wanted to say... Like I mentioned before, uh, this is part of my, uh, <laughs> now I'm onto my personal opinions of this whole movie. Uh, like I mentioned before, this is my least, uh, I definitely have to say this is my least favorite of the movies. Like, it's it's good because it's the first, it's what launched everything, but after rewatching it, I just, I guess I just like the more serious tone that they take from, like, Prisoner of Azkaban onward. I just hate the, like, the kid-friendly, like, oh, happy ending, love conquers all, blah, 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 friendship, blah, blah, blah. Like, I just, I don't like that tone, especially for what I know Harry Potter can be. Like, you compare this to something like Goblet of Fire or Deathly Hallows, like, it's just, this is why this is my least favorite. I'm not saying it's bad at all, it's just... It's, like, if you ask me to pick any movie, any of them to watch, I'm definitely not going to pick Sorcerer's Stone. But, like I said, it's not bad for the first movie in the series. Uh, <laughs> another note I added here, I put, old Dumbledore actor is precious. And it's true, the uh, the old actor for Dumbledore, the, uh, uh, I gotta look up his name. Because otherwise I'm going to sound like an, like an idiot. Oh, let's see. Let's do first Dumbledore actor. Richard John Harris. And the reason they ended up replacing him after Chamber of Secrets is because he died in 2002. I like this bio, by the way. I just googled first Dumbledore actor and it says it says Richard John Harris and all it says is Richard John Harris and then you know he was born October 1st 1933 and died October 25th 2002 says it just says was an Irish actor and singer that's literally all they put I love this people also asked why did they change the actor to play Dumbledore Harris was determined to betray did I say okay let me start that sentence over 
Harris was determined to portray Dumbledore again in Prisoner of Azkaban 2004, despite having been diagnosed with Hodgkin's lymphoma, and asked David Hyman not to recast the role. However, his death on, tw- on October 25th, 2002 necessitated recasting. Okay, so that's a fun fact. I guess they were going to keep the same Dumbledore for uh, Prisoner of Azkaban, but they had to recast him because the original actor died in, th- in 2002. But honestly, like I love both Dumbledore's Dumbledore actors, but I feel like the one from like the first two movies is kind of precious. Just he just seems like a really jolly old man. He he seemed like a really jolly old man, and you know, rest in peace, rest in peace, Richard John Harris. Uh, some uh, some book differences. I'll me- I'll re-mention some that I mentioned earlier, but these are the main ones that I saw that really interested me so like the forbidden forest in the movie they call it they just call it the dark forest instead of the forbidden forest um there was a ghost like there's tons of ghosts in the movie uh more notably uh nearly had this nick but uh one that's not really a ghost like them but still like a mischievous spirit was named peeves and peeves is pretty much just like a prankster, just like the pole pranks and everybody, and Peeves was originally going to be in the movie, but I guess the actor who the actor who portrayed him could not stop making all the extras laugh, so they had to cut him from the movie. They had to cut him from filming and basically just booted him out because they're like, hey, you know, you're not letting, you're not letting everyone act. We're going to get rid of you. Uh, the thing I mentioned before, Harry meets Draco in Diagon Alley, not Hogwarts. As like I said, uh, I don't know if I mentioned that before, but I guess in the book, when Harry goes to get his robes, uh, Draco is getting a robe hemmed for him at the same time. And Draco actually made some comments about Hagrid, and Hagrid's just like, oh, you know, you're making fun of Hagrid, so now I don't like you. So yeah, in the book... Harry actually meets Draco earlier than Hogwarts. And the only other one that's, I guess, interesting, but not really like, wow, is uh, Harry's eyes are, in the movie, are blue, not green. Because in the book, they're, they said that Harry's eyes are green, but the reason that they're blue in the movie is because Daniel Radcliffe, who plays Harry Potter, has blue eyes, and I guess they didn't feel the need to change it. But they were able to get away with it because the actor, the actress who played uh, Lily Potter actually has blue eyes too. So, you know, if they can't, if they didn't bother to change the eye color, they can at least be consistent, which that I like. But, um, yeah, like I said before, sorry, you're going to hear a lot of, sorry, you heard a lot of drinking in this episode, but I'm just trying to keep my throat lubed up. But... Yeah, that's basically my sum up of Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone. And like I said, this is my least favorite of all the movies. But it's still not bad for the first movie in the series. I just I just didn't really like the uh the family friendly, like, you know, happiness, love conquers all, everything. Like, I want serious tones. I want death. I want violence in my wizarding world. <laughs> but um I guess that's going to wrap it up for me, talking about Harry Potter. Uh, eventually, I'm going to... The next episode is going to be on 
Chamber of Secrets. Maybe not next week's episode, but I have all kinds of social media, and I'll announce it. I'll definitely announce it when I do the next Chamber of Secrets. Speaking of social media, guess where you can find me? I'm on Instagram, SuperCam64, Twitter, SuperCam64, uh, TikTok, SuperCam64, and if you want to look specifically for something involving the podcast... Oh, God. Sorry, water almost came back up. If you want to look at a social media page specifically for the podcast, I have a Facebook page for the podcast. It is aptly titled, let me get to it, whatever, you know, capital what, three, lowercase v, three r, colon, a Supercam podcast, or Supercam 64 podcast. And on there is when I usually announce stuff going on with the podcast. I'll announce, I'll share when episodes go out. I'll share, like, yeah, I'll do some polls, being like, hey, what should I talk about this week? And that's where I post, that's usually where I post everything, but I do post the podcast on all different social media outlets. And, uh, yeah, if you're a fan of Harry Potter or you're a fan of what I like to talk about, please share this around with your friends. Um, if you were listening, have you, if, I got through this whole podcast and now I can't speak. <laughs> Uh, if you got through this whole podcast, I really thank you for listening. I truly appreciate it. It it honestly means a lot to me that some people would actually listen all the way through and listen to my dumb opinions on things. But yeah, like I said, if you enjoyed listening to this, please share it around and uh, let me know what you want me to talk about next. Uh, I do have a link in the Facebook page. If you go through the post, I have a link that links to voice messages you can actually send me through Anchor, which is what I use to make this podcast. So yeah, if you guys have any suggestions for what you want me to talk about or have any suggestions on the topics that I post on social media, let me know. But for now, that's going to be it for me from whatever. My, I've been Cameron, and as always, stay lovely, you lovely bitches. Goodbye. Bye, have a great time.